and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel again are back. Look at that. No holidays in the last couple of weeks. Uh, nice to see you boys here again. How are you both? Have you had a nice week? Did you watch a lot of skiing? That's, that's a lot of races to get through in a short space of time. Uh, I think you did a great job, but uh, I'm not going completely insane commentating twice a day, every day for uh, basically five, six days straight or however long it was in the end. I like talking about skiing, but I tell you what, those tech days are hard. Four, four runs uh, over four hours of uh, back-to-back stuff, quite <coughs> difficult to not say the same thing, which actually somebody did comment on me on, uh, on my Twitter that I'd said the same words over and over again. Wasn't mega this time, apparently. So what about you, Marcel? How are you, mate? I didn't watch anything. I just come here to talk some <laughs> and go back to bed afterwards. <laughs> oh, keep it real. Keep it real. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I mean, that's is that why you just agree with everything? Because you haven't actually you don't have any clue about what's going on. Oh, today, today I disagree with everything. <laughs> from the from the get go. By the way, I was listening to you do pretty good this week. Huh? This week I had lots to do. I like listening to your voice. It's very nice. That sounds. I, I'm waiting for the. Uh, I'm waiting for the the, the punchline. The, the, the insult, yeah. There's an insult in there somewhere. Just ready. It's it. I'm going to cut. I'm off. just compliment. I'm just very complimentary today. No, I suppose you're such a nice guy. I know. <clears throat> I just want to get some positive feedback for once on my on my podcast performances. Uh, you get you get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes it's positive. <laughs> Some, sometimes it's not not positive. Um, anyway, right. The Predictions League has come to a close. Uh, drum roll, please, because the winner for 2023 is Rob Greatbatch, who won it at the death. He uh, took the win here. He got 224 points. Uh, he was two points in front of Nicholas Farrow. Uh, Jason Shorter rounded out the top three. Ian Finlay was fourth and uh, Audrey Curtis was fifth. So, yeah, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on uh, which side of the the uh, numbers you were. But, yeah, on the last pick, 25 points that uh, Rob got this week versus Nick only getting 20 points. So <laughs> right at the death. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to talk about who won the uh, podcasters section of the predictions league do we? i don't think we do who was it who was it it was it, it was you ben you... defending champion he retained his title uh, no, ben you uh, you got a whopping 38th position overall amazing uh, i think that's the best i've done <laughs> that's the highest i've ever come in about five years and actually you got 25 <laughs> points this week as well so you maxed out i don't think anybody got more than oh yeah somebody got 27 you got 27 this week 27 points that was uh Militaka, 27 points and i think that was it i don't think anybody got higher than that so ben you had an exceptional week this week my I, friend. Sent, I sent i sent a lot of uh uh, trash to you guys after the uh, two speed events because I think I was four from four after the speed events and then only picked up five points the rest of the weekend, <laughs> which was a bit a bit bad. So my charge up the leaderboard uh, stalled a little bit, but it's a bit worrying that I'm now it's a bit worrying that I'm now better at picking speed events than I am at tech events. It's a bit worrying. Maybe I'll be the speed expert, Ed, and you can. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to get back. I'm just going to keep talking about it, pretend that I know what I'm talking about, but actually never get it right. Marcel can ben, do tech. I'll do speed. Ben, can you Ben? Can you send me your address so I can send you a t-shirt? <laughs> what's going on the t-shirt what's going on the t-shirt 
I dem- be, it's Tessa. Tessa oh. is Toronto. I thought it's going to be, I demand a recount or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get him started on Tessa. It's far too early to have Ben crying on the pod. There's a, a, a on average, people pick the winner 35 times. Uh, and what else? Ed picked the winner 21 times. Ben picked the winner 31 times. Marcel picked it 20% of the time. Uh, Rob, that, must, that can't be right. Rob, who topped the predictions league, was picking a top three finisher seventy five percent of all races. He should be better. He's a professional gambler. <laughs> ben, you made, Tessa, if you're listening, you would have made a lot of money this year. So if you haven't, that's really that's a shame. That's it. Te, uh, ben, you picked Tessa thirteen percent of all female races. That's not bad. Of course, of course, he did. Um, couple of in- couple of cool ones uh, to show how much Schifrin dominated the season for the first slalom pick of the season in Levy she was picked 53% of the times but by Soldeo she was picked 92% of the time <laughs> and she didn't win <laughs> uh, uh, conversely Verhova went from being picked 37% just down to 2% uh, what else was good well, nice uh, picks across the all male races Marco Odomat was picked 35% of the time um, Even for slaloms, right? Basically, yeah, that's across everything. <laughs> so Kilda, Kilda was picked and 30, uh, 66% of the time in every single downhill. Uh, I'll put some of these stats up because they're quite interesting. I'm not going to read them out because that is quite boring. This is uh, like, if I'm just sitting there reading stats. the most professional predictions league we've ever had with all those stats. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> Lesson learned. But not to you, Ed, obviously. <laughs> Don't <laughs> let me run out. <laughs> no, but a, hu- uh, a huge uh, thank you to Gareth who has been uh, instrumental in keeping everything on the go because, uh, yeah, it's been a lot more professionally run. Uh, we keep it semi-professional. Gareth sort of raises us to semi-plus professional. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. He does the professional, we do the semi. Yeah. Oh, God, that sounds so wrong. So wrong for this, P- this PG-rated podcast. No semi-chat here, please. Um, right, on to, on to the racing. It started... It feels like it was about a month ago, but actually started earlier in the week. The first race was the downhill for both the men and the women. Now, we're not going to go into all the detail of all the races because there are, it's far too much going on. So we'll, we'll sort of try and pick out the, the cool bits from each of the events. But uh, Creekmeyer took the win. Bauman and Sander back on the podium. Or, well, Bauman back on a podium. He's been doing it for about 300 years. Uh, and uh, Sander back-to-back podiums for him. Uh, Paris was fifth, Kilda was sixth, Hinterman tenth, half a second off the pace. Odomat only just scraping World Cup points, which actually became irrelevant, but it was nearly close in terms of that uh, going for those points picks because that was worth like 16 points, I think it is, for 15th. So it could have it could have been so crucial for him getting up that, that into that fifteenth position, but it was a cool old race. That downhill looked quite fun, didn't it? That big jump at the top, um, and also the conditions managed to hold up, even though it was tropical. Uh, ben, uh, as you uh, were the only one other than me that watched it, <laughs> what do you think? No, you self-proclaimed speed expert. <laughs> yeah, the speed expert. Yeah, How was they, it? They, they, those guys were going really fast, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the that's all the info we're that's getting. My, that's yeah. my speed expert, and Marcel agrees. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was it was interesting. It's. I find it quite tough in World Cup finals to to work out how much of it is form, how much of it is people that are kind of, 
they know there's nothing at stake so they're skiing well because they're relaxed or they're missing the intensity they need for speed um or in in all disciplines so it's you generally get a few of those kind of peculiar results thrown up and i think the likes of uh, bauman and, and sander might be it for, for that particular race um especially kilda being as far back as he was um, I'll say, I'll say as far back as so it was three temps off, um, but just being uh, sixth isn't something you expect from um, uh, from from Kilda, the way he's absolutely dominated downhills this year. Uh, but I thought, I think you're right, it was a fun, it looked like the fun track for pretty much all of the races. I think yeah. they had a bit of everything. Like you said, the jumps, there was there was some technical sections in the speed races, um, as well as some some flat out sections. Um, and I, I really I really enjoyed it. And obviously when you get to World Cup finals, because there's only those kind of like 23 to 25 races, it's all it's all done quite quickly, which is definitely good. Like when you're saying if it's tropical and you've got to get through the race quickly uh, before it gets too slushy, they, those are the kind of, uh, kind of races you want. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Marcel? No, it's a good race. Actually, you know what? I, I have been skiing there many times in Andorra. Um, they always did like European Cup finals and stuff. That's as far as I made it. Um, but it's it's good. It's really nice. It's a it's a great I think it's a great place to have a final. Because you know it's all it's good. It's a good hill. I mean it's not super difficult. I think that first jump they need to do something because they people land in like the flats, so it's not very nice, I don't think. Oh such a oh look at him getting all yeah, know. but like you know, it's the last race of the season. You know, you don't, you shouldn't be landing in the flat somewhere. I mean, it's just a bit. Right, the snow's nice and soft, Marcel. Yeah, it's it's fine. Got a good cushion on the landing. Yeah. <laughs> in I, thought, I, I, I really liked it. I think you know they're going for the 2029 World Championships, which I think could be quite interesting to see that place. Uh, it's sort of with more wintry conditions. I, uh, yeah, like I said, like you said, Ben, I really enjoyed the sort of different aspects. The speed hill looked fun. The the tech hills looked really good, Marcel. That steep final sort of steep bit look, it, look right, that's very steep. that's that is really steep there it's a it's a great i think giant slalom and slalom are great hills there downhill and super g you know it's it's tricky to if you like let's say someone has like a world championship it's always hard to find a place where you know you can do speed races and and tech races at the same place and both of them are great i mean i think it's good it was it was a good a good race i, I did enjoy it um did you hear that did you hear that matthias meyer was back he was back sort of sniffing oh. around i saw a lot i saw oh. lots of photos i mean you know that that really pisses me off so, like, yeah. you, either you stop or you don't like come on just like make a decision like stop i think or he's not. coming back just, that's not, through no he's information bored out of his mind like what yeah. is he gonna do yeah that's pure speculation but i think i think he's gonna be back well to be fair like the austrians need him anyway because they terrible they had a terrible season this year kriegmar was the only one who was any good I, I mean, I the effect—the effect of having Meyer in the finish area that it did for Creek Meyer is she just be the be the mascot for the uh, speed team. Follow him around. Just be, yeah, Hemmitsberger Hemet, was a tenth off the podium as well. You know, it just seems but like him being around that... made everyone better. <coughs> During the whole, like Creek Meyer went a bit under the radar because he won four downhills this year. I think that's pretty impressive. I, I think you're—I think you're 100 right, Marcel. Because how we've been talking about it the whole time that um, it's been a it's been sort of Kilda versus Odomat and actually Kriegmeier ended up being absolutely under the radar. I mean, winning four downhills in a season is pretty good. There is no, no question about it, no doubt about it. I think that must have been his most successful downhill season and no one's really talking about him. It's a bit of a shame. It's, it's a weird one when you think, yeah, because I guess everyone's always focusing up to this point on, on Meyer. It was always what's What's Maya gonna do 
is he going to be the one that, that because he leads the team and Creek Mike could just get a couple wins in there and kind of be in contention? He was, I guess, the other year he was more of the, the Super G Globe candidate, wasn't he? I think last season or the season before that seemed to be his stronger his stronger suit. Whereas this year, like you said, he's he's really come on in the uh, in in the downhills, uh, and I think. He he didn't start brilliantly. The start of the year, he didn't really look like he was on his his normal form. So hopefully that finishing off with a win as well. You know, you well, want problem, someone properly pushing Kilda next year. The problem with with Kriefmeyer is like he's a fantastic skier. I mean, he has I don't know fifteen welcome more than welcome wins than Meyer. But I think it's the consistency because he has like two wins and then he has like a fourteenth place, and you just can't afford that you know, in the downhill season, because Kilda is so consistent. He wins, like, obviously, even if if Kim, uh, if Kriefmeyer would have, you know, been better at the other races, probably this year would have been tricky. But in general, I think if he can, you know, keep it to maybe the worst place, maybe a fourth or a fifth, that would be ideal. I know it's tricky, but he definitely has the potential to win the downhill World Cup in the next couple of years, and I hope he does. I think he's, I think he's a great guy. He's a good skier. Well, great skier, obviously. I like his technique, and I hope he's you know he can he can find that consistency throughout the whole season. Yeah, it's, it's obviously very very important that consistency. I just don't know where it goes though, because you know how can you win four races and then the rest of the time just be absolutely nowhere? Just it's, well, and it doesn't even look like he makes. I can't think off the top of my head. Obviously, if I went back and watched it, maybe it'd be different. You know, every single race would be different. But I can't. I don't remember him making loads of mistakes. It just feels like some days he's absolutely rocket ship quick, and other days he's sort of. I think sometimes he, he looks a bit like he's, maybe. he's trying too hard of it. Like, you know, he's because he I think his technique is like he's a, he has a, he's very like soft on the edges. Mm. And I think if he overpowers it a bit, you know, you just you dig the edges a bit too much into the snow. And that, you know, costs you, I don't know, a couple of hundreds at every gate. And at the end, you're two seconds behind. And this season, it's like it's, you know, two seconds behind is, is too far because it's very I think it's very bunched up in the downhills and super G's. Yeah, that's true. I was just yeah, looking true. through the results for the season, and even that, he wasn't that bad. He had a really weird 32nd in Val Gardena and 11th in Lake Louise. Apart from that, all of his other results were top 10. He just won four, but didn't get a second or third. Yeah, it was either win or season. So it's like fourth, fourth, like it's not even like it's nothing, but four, fourths and fifths, I think two fourths, two fifths, and then, you know, like I said, the 11th and the uh, and the thirty-second, which is which is really weird, and then looking in, in comparison to Kilda, who we were saying dominated, he was basically you know first um, in pretty much all of them, um, a fifth, a third, and you know I think his worst was sixteenth at Kitzbühel, and then not a great finish in that in yeah, that sixth at Saldeo. So uh, yes, it, it, the, the the globe was already done for him, so he didn't have to worry too much, uh, and that's what I was saying. It's kind of hard to tell, like. He, you might yeah. you might be as motivated as you can possibly be until you push out of the gate, but then once you've made a mistake, you're not necessarily at the same intensity. If I have to win, I have to win. You're like, you know what? I've already won the tour. I don't need to break myself. A, that is a really good point because I, I find it quite difficult, or not not necessarily difficult, but quite interesting commentating on it because it was it's a very different feeling to the rest of the season, obviously, because the seat, you know, you're continuously moving, you're continuously building, you're continuously looking to the next round and trying to sort of see where, you know, the, where the road will go. But obviously with it being the end of the season, the fact it was quite difficult to, tr- to 
sort of yeah summarize some people had lots to play for some some people had nothing to play for and skied really well because they were like shackles off like you say Ben and some people had nothing to play for and in, and and therefore looked like they sort of weren't that bothered and, and would cruise down at the same sort of thing so it, it's definitely a strange one do you know what I think it was quite interesting because Kilda had the subpar downhill day we won't move on to the Super G yet either but then and so did Odomat and neither of them you know neither of them were playing for anything and at that point Odomat obviously looking for this maybe looking for this 2000 point mark so obviously it was important but it was it was a case of they didn't want to finish like that so that was where the intensity came they wanted to make sure it was a good finish to make you know and it is a cliche we we often do talk about it but if you finish well the summers seem so much easier don't they Marcel like in terms of you know, right at the end of the season, feeling really good, racing well, and then those ridiculously long, tough days of of training and glaciers and fitness training are just—it's so much easier when you're on. You finish on a high. It definitely makes it a lot easier. You can you could see it with Schifrin on the last race. She was really going for it, or at least trying to go for it. I do think I have to say I think Kilda maybe was a bit distracted because of all of the Schifrin things around him. Maybe that was a bit of like a you know. We, how many emails were you sending him to ask him for rights for photos? Was that was that the main part? <laughs> and I have I still haven't heard anything. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> if he listens to the podcast, which I'm sure he does, um, just come back to my emails, please, mate. <laughs> uh, right, okay. We'll move off the men's down and talk about the women's downhill. It wasn't quite as uh, on the edge of your seat stuff, basically, because that's Ilka not Sh- true. It was a Ilka great basically demolished the field. It was really close. Um, uh, until Stuhetz came down and went, do you know what? I'm going to have this race and absolutely <laughs> smashed it. It was such good skiing. So nice to see. And then she, her interview afterwards, I thought was, you know, how many times have, do we hear that from everybody uh, for, from World Cup races? And I think everybody that's ever raced will probably have some sort of, you know, when those doubts creep in and, you know, should I stop? Shouldn't I stop? And then like for her, you know, she went through the same sort of things. And then a season, a couple of seasons later, smashes world cup finals and demolished you know really gave out a lesson a bit of a schooling to the rest of the field i thought no one else made sort of major mistakes but she took the win by half a second over godgia uh goot barami was in third uh 0.81 back i think i think there's the race really played to her strength like she's such a good glider you could just see her you know gaining so much speed even though actually she wasn't that great in the gliding this time but She's, I think she's a fantastic skier and I'm so glad to see her, you know, being back at the, at the podiums and wins. Mm. I think she really deserved that. She's, she was fighting so hard for the last couple of years. And I mean, I guess the skis did a bit to his, you know, to that as well. Kessler, good old Kessler. Does, your, a couple does, your, dad, does your dad have much to, like cross paths with her much at all? <laughs> no, or? I mean, like, obviously it's a small company. So, you know, you... So does, does he know her? He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything to her skis. No, no, no. I wasn't. But, no, I just mean, does he know her? Does he speak to her? Like, what sort of person? You know. What, I mean, she's. She like? I think she's. She's really nice. I think she's just a genuinely nice person. So that's even more of you know. She deserves it even more than because, I think, you know, you know, not everyone is nice. <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's. <clears throat> it's a good thing, and, I mean, that race. <laughs> that race. Like, it was actually crazy how. Everyone was like, oh, it's so tight today. And then she came along and she was just thrashing it. <laughs> so it's a bit like a bit like Audemars, which I found quite interesting. What about you, Ben? What did you make of it? 
yeah, like you said with Steve I thought it was, it was brilliant for like two wins and two seconds this this season have been oh, brilliant because the we would have been saying it on the podcast the last couple of seasons like has she got that raw speed left a bit with the way we were saying about Paris this year just it didn't look like it was there anymore and whether it's the skis or you know just uh, a change in, in in mindset over last summer she really looked like she had her old speed back when she was you know uh, racing against the likes of Vaughn earlier in the, in her career um, and and yeah to see anyone take it to Goggia like that is is brilliant because you know as as brilliant as Goggia is to watch you don't want someone walking away with a tour. You want it to be other people challenging for race wins. And yeah. ideally, like we saw how exciting some of the, the super G's were waiting for the, uh, the the winner to be decided on the on the final race. You, you want as many of the tours to to go down to the final race as possible. Um, you know, not to begrudge anyone's brilliance if they win all of the other races. That's still great to watch, but it does make the finals more exciting when there's when there's something up for grabs. So hopefully Steve Hedge can have a nice summer. Uh, rest in and come back with that speed again next year. Come back rejuvenated, ready to go. All of the come back like, come back like a youngster, yeah. um... <laughs> which she still is. How old is she? I mean, I don't know. She's born 1990, so she must be 32, 33. That's like that's basically you know just at the beginning of her ski career these days. They ski until they're 45. <laughs> Yeah, Johan Claré stepping back, obviously. That was quite a good segue, Martel, even though that was by accident. Uh, that was by accident. That was designed. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, then, you, you, do you want to take it on? Talk about well, I Johan? Have said every, I have said everything I wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Johan Claré hanging up the boots, finally. Um, and, what, and, what do you mean, finally? Come on. No, like, I mean, finally, because he's like 360 years old. Is uh, he's done exception? I would love to to see him carry on. I mean, he got a podium this year. Why? Why would you stop? He literally, you... he literally could be, he could be um, Steen Olsen's dad. He could be Steen Olsen's dad. <laughs> you know, like when he's like forty-two. Yeah. You know, easy. I, th- I just, I'd ne- I don't want to see him go. I think he should, he should stay on. I think his wife would probably murder him. But I think, uh, it, you know, it was such a nice, it was a nice way to go out. I like the way that he still raced the final run and uh, did all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those, like, of those, you know, fun runs or whatever they call them. I think, I think. You, it's d- you big... didn't enjoy Schmidhoffer's? No, nah, I don't, I didn't really. Lederhosen? I had, actually, I was reading on the Austrian newspaper that th- those girls, Austrian girls are doing a podcast as well. So there is some competition from there. So I. No, but apparently there's a Swiss one, which I didn't realise. Sorry. Uh, there's a Swiss one that's run by, uh, I think it's Mark Boto, Berto and um, I think Tina Byreiter. It's, it's like 100,000 downloads. These the, what, really? Yeah, they sponsored, they sponsored um, the young kid, the, the, the world junior champion, the Swiss guy that started in the Super G. Because that was it, the Super G where the coverage cut well, they can They can sponsor people with their podcast. Yeah, and we have to eat, we have to eat bread and drink water. It's great. Yeah, because you don't you don't share the pod. You don't you know you don't do nothing. You do nothing. You just say yes. <laughs> you you make some t shirts. You make some money for yourself. You don't even you know you don't do nothing. <laughs> All right, this got to change. Um, but but Tao and Byrider they do a bunch of TV stuff as well. I don't think it's just their podcast. They may do a podcast around their TV show, but they they post a lot of stuff of them in a like a TV studio chatting about stuff, even though they've got a way more professional version of a podcast, which wouldn't surprise me. What's wrong with my living room? 
I've got a professional mic. <laughs> you have. Marcel's got his uh, spare bedroom behind him. Um, Schmidhofer, though. Wait, back to back to ski racing. Schmidhofer signing off. Do you know what? Actually, when I was reading through the results, I forgot, which is maybe bad, but I forgot like how good she was before those injuries because she she was a serious player at one point and then then bust herself up. It's often the way with with some of these races, it, especially as you kind of hit your best performances when you're in those kind of like late twenties or, or or early thirties, and you you know you're although as Marcel saying you can go on and race a lot longer if you're getting injuries at that age, your body doesn't necessarily respond in the same way, and you know, you've talked about it on on commentary a few times. Ed's probably speaking from experience when you're coming back. You're just trying to get back to where you were and the entire World Cup feels moved on. So you're both trying to get to, to, you know, to what was your best form of your career. And we've all kind of had periods where you hit that run of form where you're like, I don't actually know what I'm doing, but this is amazing. And then when you have to try and recapture it, you have no idea what you were doing to get there. You can look at all of the, like, you know, the, you can look at all of the tape and try and think all of the same things, but sometimes you just don't find that touch again. And, you know, she did really well to come back from from those injuries and she looked like she wanted it when she was racing this year. But, the you know, the speed and the confidence, a bit like we talked about with Ortley, but times to just lay the skis over just didn't look like it was there anymore. And they were, you know, doing a lot more drifts in downhill than you want to see and things. So it's a shame, but, you know, like you said, you shouldn't be remembered too much for, for the injuries because, you know, she was a, a World Cup winner on, on a few occasions before those injuries started to pile up. Absolutely. Um, Marcel, do you, did you race? You obviously raced with her at some point, did you? Or not really? Did you guys cross paths? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think she won. Didn't she win the Super Sheet Globe as well? Do you want I think she, she or oh, the downhill globe, maybe even. I think it was the downhill globe. Ben's furiously tapping away. I think it was the downhill globe. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I mean, she has had a great career, you know. I think for, for her, I think she said in the interview that you know she wasn't she wasn't quite ready to put it on the line anymore and that's why she she stopped and I think that's a very good decision if you you know if you reach that point where you think okay well I don't want to put it on the line anymore you could still probably you know she could probably still make some money and you know get like 10th 15th results but I, I guess if you have been on top you'd rather you know you'd rather call it call it a day and you know I think she was talking about maybe being a commentator for for um, the Austrian TV. Yeah, I thought she spoke. I thought she spoke very well in her interviews. Thought she was sound really good. Yeah, see I if mean, she wants to see if she wants to join a podcast. We need a bit of an Austrian bump, Marcel. Yeah, tired of somebody knows, <laughs> tired, somebody knows tired, what talking about. Tired of you saying how great the Swiss fans are all the time. <laughs> I actually, I actually, I'm, I'm a bit shocked. I didn't quite realize how many people do a podcast, but I shouldn't be surprised, right? Everyone does know. These days, everyone does a podcast. Everybody's got one. If you haven't, you're missing out. So uh, on to the Super G races. Uh, Marco Odermatt, yet again, another Super G victory. Insane in front of Marco Schwarz on a speed podium, 0.29 of a second behind Kilda, just about on the podium, 0.71 back. Ryan Cochran Siegel in fourth, thought it was a good sign-off to his season. Uh, and yeah, Marco Odermatt doing what he does best, just absolutely gone, you know, it's all about me and I want to win every single time I put skis on. I was really disappointed with his downhill form. He said it in his interviews, but I think you could see it from the intensity he brought to that Super G run and absolutely smashed it. Me, me, me. How selfish of him. 
She's picking up all the points. But yeah, no, what do you think? It was good though, wasn't it? Hmm. I think it was great. I mean, the, I, I have to say the Super G was obviously great, but I just, I'm still, I was baffled by the GS and I know we're going to come to that in a second, but that was just, I mean, the way, I love the way that he, you know, he just doesn't care. He just goes for it anyway. Even, you know, he's like seconds ahead of everyone else, but he's like, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to give it another go. Um, and he, he doesn't, I remember him two years ago, whatever it was, like he made a lot more mistakes. He's so, you know, settled in his way now, which, which is great to see. He still skis the same way, kind of. Um, but well, even he's when just... he's yeah, even when he's charging now, makes little mistakes. But they just, I do like the way that he is skiing hard enough to make mistakes. I remember when Pantero was right at his peak, it doesn't look like he was ever gonna make mistakes. Odomat risks everything, goes ridiculously quickly, and makes mistakes, but recovers a bit like Hirsch used to in terms of make yeah. instant instant <laughs> recoveries. His and recoveries are amazing. They're just so quick. The minute he goes even slightly out of position he gets it back so quickly it's just it is insane ben what did you make of that super g mate i'm really intrigued by this marco schwartz little super g turn at the end of the season obviously with the uh combined at the world champs and and the and the podium since like, it's it's so interesting to see that someone that was you know barely doing gs's a couple of years ago come off the back of that injury and I don't know whether he did any speed training on the way back or what but he just just seems to have found a, a, a level Ridiculously of cool, gl- glide that, that that's just you don't normally think about from from tech skiers normally like they, they spend too long on their edges on on speed races and that's where they're comfortable and they don't want to put the ski flat but he seems really comfortable and yeah, okay. The some of the the super GCs he's done better of in have been ones that have been quite technical and they've had some quite quite kind of big turning sections, which obviously will lend yourself to the more tech skiers like Odomat as well. But just the the confidence he had, like you'd think coming off the back of a couple of years of a of like a dodgy ankle injury, you'd think going 70, 80 miles an hour wouldn't be top of your priority list. Yeah. Um, but but he seemed he like he looks so comfortable at high speed. And that's one of the things like when you talk about Hersher and and when he was flying, when he did super G's and downhills, it it looked like he wasn't comfortable. He would still go all out and try and go as fast as humanly possible. But it didn't look comfortable. Whereas Schwartz just he looks like a super chilled guy, doesn't do, he, on, on skis. Do you think it is sort of specifically designed to try and win the overall, or do you think that is a byproduct that he is going quick in speed disciplines, or do you think he's gone, I fancy winning the overall, and the only way I'm going to do it is if I compete in all four? I think I think he's got to win all of the slaloms if he wants to beat Odomat. Um, yeah, but not that's... if he picks up, not if you if you if you can top five, top ten in all disciplines. You're still not going to win. That's the problem. <laughs> Odomat wins so many other races. I, I agree with you. Like, could it could be that? But I don't know whether it's designed or not. Obviously, Marcel might know a bit more about what's been what's been talked about. Obviously, I know when it was Vlahova, it was very much talked about. She's going to do more speed. She wants to win the overall. It was it was broadcast. Um, but I haven't heard anything like that with, with Schwartz. Um, it just seems to have been something like they maybe they earmarked the. Uh, combined at the world champs so did a few more kind of super g training days and went oh it turns out he's actually going really fast uh we should probably throw him in some world cups as well 
What do you think, Marcel? Do you think it's do you think it's by design for an overall challenge, or do you think he's literally just being quick? Of course it is. Is it? Of course it is. But so, so you think he's focused? You think he's gone? I want to win the overall, and if I want to win they, the overall, what they actually said on the news is like he wants to obviously still do slalom and everything else, and the Austrian coaches they want him to you know do a bit less slalom and do the rest. But I, I you know, the thing is like. And that, that was one thing that really annoyed me at the Austrian newspapers. They said, oh, he was the best Austrian in the overall World Cup, but they forgot about Kriegmeier who got fourth, <laughs> which is outrageous. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I, he would have to make up. And, I, you know, I think he's, he's a great skier. He's fantastic in all the disciplines. But I think, you know, to make that step up, to have just a slightest chance to win the overall, is gonna be a big, big, big ask from him, like it is, because you know in the in giant slalom <coughs> he gets podiums, but is he gonna be able to beat Odermatt? I don't think so. He already beat Odermatt. Yeah, once, but <laughs> I, can he beat him over the sea? Because he needs to beat him in giant slalom over the whole season. Like, yeah, he's gotta be. Like, he's gotta. It's gotta be. It's gotta be close. You know, it can't just be Odermatt winning. Well, by the thing is, like, you know, point one one seconds. Think about it. Think about it. So. He would have to be Odomar at least in giant slalom, because in super G, I don't think he will be. Downhill, who knows? Maybe over a season, if he trains a lot, could be. But then, how many points does he need in slalom? You know, that's the thing. Like because Odomar has those three disciplines where he always podiums. Like I mean, he has seventy percent podiums a year, at least this year. And if he's getting, you know, if you look at the Odomar's overall results, it's like I think five hundred points, nine hundred points. 1,600 points, 2,000 points, you know, even if he even if he doesn't win that much next year, which is likely, he still probably gets somewhat like 1,500, 1,400 and that's usually good enough to win the overall and I think, you know, to get that those amount of points, you have to you know, you have to have in theory 14 wins and and that's crazy, you don't have to have 14 wins but, you know, yeah, it's what it equates to yeah, yeah, points and I, I don't think I don't think he can do that. I'm I'm really sorry. I don't think he can. So it's that, int- that's that's being said with the highest respect. I really I think yeah yeah of course no, no I think we all know we all uh, you know I think we're all obviously big Schwartz fan. I'm a huge Marco Schwartz fan. I'd love for him to be able to do it. I think you know it's it's good for the sport that he's doing four disciplines. It brings something else to the table. You know him and probably uh, Mayar skiing four disciplines properly next season. Hopefully sort of pretty regular uh, I, I don't know just Odomat's Odomat's ridiculous form that he showed this season I, it, I, I, I was going to say how sustainable is it I mean Hirscher Hirscher sustained that sort of form for for best part of a decade didn't he so I was going to say eight back-to-back overall titles yeah. was, was then, you know yeah he did he did he did but I think I mean you know, clearly this was the best season ever, like from anybody. And if you look, even, you know, here, sure, I mean, no one will win eight World Cups in a row anymore. Like, that's just unrealistic. But if you look at Odermatt, I think he has the advantage of being, you know, winning in three disciplines, which here, sure, he did win a Super G, I think. But he never had like that, you know, that urge, I think, to to win three well, disciplines. He didn't need to. He didn't need he to. He didn't need to. But I think Odermatt has like you know that drive to, I mean definitely in downhill he win next he will win next year like yeah, he must well, win. He's, next world, year. He's, a, he's world champ. He's downhill world champ, isn't he? So 
Yeah, but like that. But I mean, in the World Cup. No, but I mean, he's, he's going to, con- you know, if you could win, it, it, you've won, essentially won a World Cup. It's the World Champs. But you, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But um, then anything to add on that? I mean, we're sort of hopping ahead because we, we will do a proper season review podcast rather than uh, just on the on the finals here. But it was it was epic though, wasn't it? It was epic skin. Yeah, it was. And just on, I think we talked about a few other people that, that performed particularly well in that one. And I think the other one that stood out was, was Jeff Reed uh, in, in fifth. Um, we talk a lot about uh, Eric on the on the tech side and, and how he can improve and we want him to improve. Uh, and uh, Jeff's gone about his business this season and picked up a fifth in, in finals, which is which is pretty awesome. Just kind of keeps showing that that Canadian team's really been on it, men's and women's speed and tech this year. They've been they've been up there in all the events. So yeah. uh, awesome effort. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on to the women's competition. This was one of the two globes that were up for grabs at the World Cup finals. Uh, and it was between, it was a, a very, very tight battle between Cortoni, Goot, Hooter and Movinkel and Brinoni. Uh, Cortoni was winning. She crashed in the downhill, uh, was a bit bumped and bruised the day before uh, and then had an absolute nightmare in reality. In the uh, in the Super G event, and Lara Gutbrami, you know, under pressure, she's been around on the tour for a long time. Pulled out the <laughs> result when it mattered, took the victory. Federica Brinoni was in second, point two two back. Ragenhild Movinkel took third position, and that's how the uh, Super G standings ended up as well. It was it was great. I love the fact it was going down to the title. Ben, you mentioned it at the sort of uh, the top of the show there how how nice it is when you are fighting all the way to the end. And uh, it, it was a very, very cool way to round off the Super G Tour. Oh, massively. And as you saw the various contenders coming down and getting, you know, excited. Uh, I think, yeah, obviously, uh, Brignoni came down and she was her usual uh, effervescent self. She was absolutely pumped because I think when yeah. she took the lead, she took the lead by quite a bit. So she was like, that is laying down the marker. And, you know, uh, I think it was another four people for before um Lara Gubarami came down so she definitely would have seen the title was not like if you're going next you don't necessarily know what time the person's got or where they are and those kind of things so she would have definitely had time to digest that take on board all of that extra pressure knowing right I now have to beat uh that time to get to get this win um and and, you know Mo Winkle stayed in there as well they they were all reasonably close uh and it was yeah I was a, a brilliant race like you say it was heartbreaking for uh, for Katoni uh, not being able to get over the line but at the same time as somebody talked about before like do, do you place consistency higher over just kind of raw speed because Katoni hadn't won a race all season yet she was going into the last race in the lead and with the chance of winning it and obviously mm. that's that's still brilliant skiing but it's a bit weird I can't remember who he had it with um, the other year um, uh, I think someone picked up a globe without winning one of the races all season, and we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, was, it it was, Caviet, was it Caveat? Was it Caveat? Was it? Was it the year it he was, won? It might have been the Super G, and he, yeah. yeah, I think it, it was Matt when he uh, won it in Kvitfjell, I think in the end, just that was COVID, year before COVID or the COVID year. Anyway, I think it was him. Carry on. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things, and it's it's just a, I guess a discussion for skiing is is you know. Do you, how highly do people rate the consistency? Obviously, consistency at a high level is still podium finishes. It's not like you know finishing tenth every race. But it would have been a, a, another interesting discussion to have had she got in a position where she could have won that globe 
without winning the race all season. It just means the other people are all sharing wins between them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a shame she she finished with a, with a tenth and wasn't in that mix the way she has been all season. So I did feel bad for her, and I'm not sure if that downhill crash was what was what did it or not. Um, but yeah, it was just just a shame for her. Really. Yeah, it was a tough tough way to end. I don't know if it was a downhill crash apart apart from confidence wise. I don't think it was a, an injury thing. It just looked like she just didn't have the confidence. Uh, and definitely was definitely feeling the pressure, I think. Uh, Marcel, mate, what about you? What do you think of that one? It was, it was, in, that was, I think that was the most exciting about the whole week. <laughs> I think that was, you know, everyone, oh, she's in the lead and she's in the lead and this and that. I think that was really good. I, Connie Hooter was not, I think she was, she was not bad, but she just, you know, she was, I think, fighting with like maybe not the same weapons as the other ones. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was a fair winner in the end. That was a that was a good race. And seeing a bit of emotion from Lara Gubrami, so often do we see from her just sort of you know, but she's stony. a bit cold. She's a bit cold, isn't she? Usually. Yeah, a bit stony face. You sort of don't get a lot of read from her. She sort of keeps her cards very yeah. close to her chest. Actually, then... funny enough, she said that she was that she was um, really keen on getting the on the giant slalom overall podium because she's never done that. Well, she was quite vocal about it, was she? Yeah, yeah. She said she that was one thing that she was always wanting to do, um, and she was she was super excited about that. Well, it was nice to see. It was nice to see some emotion from her. She was uh, she was absolutely pumped, um, which you which you'd assume she what she is. But so often you sort of see her, I don't know, give nothing away and just sort of leave the finish here, and you're like. Does she really want to be here? Like, what's her sort of, <laughs> you know, is she loving ski racing because she never smiles. She sort of just leaves the finish area and a bit, you know, leaves us all wondering why, but you know, or what. But she uh, absolutely was uh, was properly, properly pumped with it. So, yeah. It's the joy of World Cup finals. Had. Everyone's got their sunglasses <coughs> on. They're not cold anymore. They're in the T-shirts <laughs> and baseball hats. No more willy hats. You know, everyone, everyone's in a good mood at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. They've got guess, their, guess, they've got the Schiffer and Kilda t-shirts on, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying around their crystal globes. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, it was really cool. Like, like the fact that she won, because I think, uh, you know, she's been around for such a long time. You know, she used to duke it out with Lindsay Vaughn back in the day for, for downhill victories and, and then sort of disappeared a little bit, or not disappeared, but sort of just, I, I don't know, sort of, became a little bit so say a little bit average just but just not as good as she you know not as prominent as she used to be with her results and then uh, it's nice to see in the last couple of years uh, but also the only globe for head which seems a bit right? which seems a bit mental yeah <laughs> the only globe this year that head won was Lara Goot Barami the rest are Stokely and Atomic yeah but they still won that didn't they win the Head won the, t won the won um, the the brand standings, yeah, for points accrued, but one globe. Interesting, because so. usually they win they win a lot of them. I'm not sure if Elias is going to be happy about that. I mean, yeah, I thought it was really interesting actually, because it could have they could have obviously walked away with none. That was that was obviously a very tight globe. But yeah, Kilda, um, obviously Schifrin, Braten, and and that's it for the men for atomic side and then i think yeah stokely obviously with all the odor matters Goggia with atomic and then so yes goop barami i think that was it have i missed anybody i don't think i've missed anybody 
So, yeah, interest. It is interesting because the whole the ski manufacturer stuff again. We'll talk about that probably more in the review, but uh, to see what happens with Head because they've been shedding quite a few athletes. I guess maybe getting some expensive names off some books. Um, so well, I think it's it's tough for next year because I'm not sure how many people can actually change skis. But you know, I don't know. We've we've talked about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think yeah, we'll save that one for next week. But I think it's that's going to be quite interesting to see who next week. Are we not done with this? You're 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 done with it, Marcel. You're, you are you're done with it, mate. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, it's it's awkward that one, isn't it, Ben? When you <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're doing one next week. Yeah, the, the paid episode, Marcel. Yeah, that's the one where we get the, that's where the big checks come out, mate. Oh, sake. Uh, team event: Norway won. Switzerland was second. Uh, Austria were third. They picked up a, a, a podium there. The Austrians were let's, nice. let's just give that. Come on, that's Germany. Germany were four. What, what a uh, joke. So. Andorra yeah, was yeah. sixth. Uh, yeah, Andorra <laughs> did well. They got top 10. Can so, you see uh, him? Yeah. Okay, good. Because I have like, I have to sign on my computer that says my audio is, but that's maybe just Ed, you know. Yeah, that, I think that's probably me just muting you. I think that's <laughs> subliminal messages that I'm sending you so you hopefully do less talking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this was where my pick started to go wrong because uh, I picked America and they didn't appear to be in the race no, at all. Didn't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the. Was just like, the the, the team that just won the world championships were just like, no, we're not bothering with the World Cup finals. Yeah, no, too busy, far too busy. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't. I haven't really got too much to say about that apart from uh, it needs some work. I like the head-to-head, but that doesn't work. And it hasn't worked. The athletes don't take it seriously. Uh, it, it's a bit of a... Commentators don't take it seriously. Mate, I was there, ready, <laughs> chatting the usual rubbish. And yeah. And you did. Well done. <laughs> and I completed it all the way through to the end. Um, anyway, let's move on because I don't think it was that riveting. Uh, on to the penultimate day of racing, the Saturday day of racing. It was giant slalom for the men, slalom for the women, Odomat uh was racing against himself uh he took the win in his race uh and then christopherson was the best of the rest uh 2.11 seconds behind and then marco schwarz was third lucas Braten was uh, just off the podium in fourth i think that sort of showed the form that he was coming back into ready for the slalom day uh, and in the slalom vlahova took another victory another racer that hasn't done too much smiling this season shows that she still can uh took the win and second place popovic how cool was that another croatian on the podium uh, skied really really nicely and managed to withstand the pressure being second after the first run, completed that on the second run, 0.43 back. Schifrin, uh, another podium to her name, uh, was in third. Who wants to go? Let's start with, start on the men's side and then we'll work across to the women's. That Odomat race was something like out of peak Hersher, where it just looked like he was on a different hill to everyone else, uh, especially on the second run when... That people were having real problems with the conditions and everyone was like, oh, how, you know, are they going to be able to hang on to the lead or whatever? And they just pushed out of the gate and it was like it was the first run and he was going down number one and there was just no issues on the hill at all. It just, yeah, um, Marcel's uh, stream of consciousness 
I mean, through on text while that was happening was was quite hilarious. I was in the car at the time, so it just kept telling me Marcel had sent a message to the WhatsApp group. I was like, shut up, Marcel. I don't want to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch it when I get in. No, um, Audemars, Audemars was like on the second round, he was like, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I genuinely think he was because apparently he was absolutely out, out of it. He was properly pissed up after the Super G took the, the one day off when the parallel was happening and came back with a, still with a slight hangover and still demolished the rest of the field. <laughs> but that's why I like him. You know, he's like, he doesn't, you know, he just goes for a beer. He has like his fun, doesn't give too much shit. So I think it's good. So it's good. Just- He's also young as well, and obviously, yeah, when you're you know when when you're older, that like you're you're less fast by get, you know getting drunk, not not necessarily getting drunk at the point, but like partying after a race. Like we spoke to Dave after he's won World Cups, and he's just I want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> I'm so tired. Speak for, you, speak for yourself, mate. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Marcel. Says, says still the hung- guy who's still hung over from two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but It'll like, catch I up could, to you in the end, mate. I'll catch up to you in the end. I could, yeah, I think we, we there's a few people that we talk about. We absolutely love watching them ski, and there could be another ten GSs, and I'd line up to watch Odomat skiing them. Like he's just, it is amazing where he finds speed on on every run over because the, the you know the people he's beaten. Christofferson's had an amazing season of GS, and, and Schwartz has certainly shown in the last couple of months that he is a real contender in GS. So to take two seconds out of those two is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Go on, Marcel. Give us, give us your, uh, give us yeah. your Odomat chat. Well, there's not much to say about him. I mean, you know, beating him by his record is like that record. I thought. I mean, I remember it very, you know, vividly when he when he got two thousand points, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, this is going to be, you know, for the history books forever." This and that, and then this twenty-five-year-old Swiss guy comes around the corner, says, "Just quickly hold my beer, and I'm going to win by two seconds and just smash that record." I mean, he didn't smash it, but he he did it. Well, yeah, the thing the thing is, he only needed, I mean, he only needed. He didn't need to do anything in terms of the title because obviously that was wrapped up. He only needed to be third in the gs race but then but then on the other hand like you know that's his mentality he's like yeah which uh, which i just think is so cool the guy just not he's not really bothered and he uh, he wants to win every single time he couldn't care less about the points in terms of skiing for a finish absolutely (laughs) not he was all or bust he was either going to do you know 1942 points or 2042 points it was he was never going to do anything it was always all or bust which it seems like he skis all the time. Marcel, this completely different topic. Why did Creekmire race to GS? Like, I loved it, but just I was just so confused. I was like, it's not like there's yeah, like, well, anything up for fine. grabs. Or was he trying to get points for the overall, maybe, but then they only give you points for 15? Maybe he 15. wanted to stay there for a bit longer, just, you know, have a couple of parties and just do the... So this was like an alibi ski, I guess. Just like, oh, I can stay until Sunday, but I just have to do the GS meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just quite surprised to see him in the uh, in the start gate on the first round. I was kind of getting to. No, the no, he was, he was actually, he was actually really good when he was younger. I think he, I remember he, he, he scored World Cup points this year. He scored points in Solden. Yeah, he was second at the Junior World Championships in giant slalom. He, he actually comes from a giant slalom background. In, in, in 1997. <laughs> hey, he's the same age as me. Don't make me too old now. <laughs> No, um, but that was, it, yeah, it was just interesting to see him there. 
I mean, he didn't. It was a bit unfortunate for him as well because the, I thought the second run, barred a couple last couple of people, it got a lot better with the you know they salted the slope and it was a bit, a bit. It looked a bit slippery in the beginning, as in like the salt didn't really work for the first couple of people, but then it got better. So he was obviously going down first, and it looked like he probably didn't have the best time, but you know why not? Might as well just do it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. This was another one of those. Uh quite different first and second run sets as well wasn't it that was like a, i can't remember whether it was the straight one on the first run or the straight one on the second one but straight, like a, straight on the first because that was when christopherson was uh whinging yeah uh, whinging a bit but it was, it was a, again it was uh between odomats too it was basically four seconds between his first and second run uh which tells you what the the course is doing different but actually i if it's on the same day i don't mind it because you'll get you're being challenged on both styles of skiing and racing yeah. on the same day exactly um, obviously you want it to yeah. be so it's not just a you know straight line obviously you still want it to be a, a ski race not just a who's heaviest and can go quickest down the hill race um but yeah i thought i thought that the contrast was actually really fun to watch because you could see there are other people although christopherson's probably the most vocal about it you could see there were other people that clearly didn't like one uh and, and were uh you know really good on the other run in terms of like where their their positions were uh, on on each run's ranking, it was quite quite fun to see uh, two quite different uh, styles need to be employed. Yeah, it's not just about it's not just about turns. You know, you, you can still set for your own athlete by not really setting any turns, which is good. Which day was it where Kostelic was really kicking off? He put a little post about the death of uh, ski racing again because of courses being too easy. What was that? He put that on his social media, didn't he? Oh, I didn't see that. The oh, front I beach. Maybe, maybe, maybe the parallel. Yeah, no, it wasn't parallel. <laughs> it was not so that's parallel. not that's not the death of ski racing, though. It wasn't. No, it wasn't no, no, that. But no, got, you have a little look, see if you can find it. But let's let's chat about the women's race now, the slalom race uh, on that hill, which we were talking about earlier, Marcel. That's it's a great slalom hill, really is. I think we saw a few of the sort of we've talked about it before, haven't we? Where a couple of a, like at a particular section or a gate ends up causing extra anxiety and therefore extra errors happen on that gate like that that breakover where the the extra roll was and how many of the women ended up caught foul of a of a gate set on a roll um but i thought all in all it was really good popovich i think was a standout for me vlahova was good good for her to get back on the podium because i think she struggled for motivation this season uh, i don't love the, her attitude this season but i think we need Vlahova at her best to make, to help make the women's slalom exciting because it's, we, we need people to be pushing Michaela Schifrin ultimately. So I thought that was, it was, it's good for the sport that she's picked up a podium, I think. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I think all year, we right from the start of the season, we've talked, uh, she openly said she was struggling a bit for motivation at the start of the year. So, for Vlahova to get that wins important to show that she's still got that that fire. Um, but I think as well this season that the kind of emergence of of Wendy finally getting those wins and consistent podiums and uh Sven Larson as well. I, I think there are people there that on any given day they can challenge Schifrin. It's just Vlahova's the person that we've seen over the last five years kind of consistently be there in slalom. So, you know, if if all of those women can go away and come back next year. You know, in theory, Schifrin's going to be looking at the overall every year for as long as she races. Um, 
you know people will be targeting that you know every discipline they can individually to try and take take points off her and I think last year for Vlahova was all about the Olympics she got that goal struggled a bit this year it'll be interesting to see what her and her coaches decide will be the, the goal for next year whether they want her to go back to more of an all-round skier or whether it is literally just you know slalom and GS all the way Marcel, are you here still? Or are oh, you, yeah, you have to. You have to give me like a, a sign that answer. It's my turn. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt anyone. Well, no, normally, what happens is I'll say something, and then Ben will say something, or you'll say something, and then it swaps around. It, it, I mean, I should have sent you this it, it before. I know that you're on your like 400th podcast with us, but you should I should have, have maybe laid it out a bit clearer for you. <laughs> no, I think it was it was a good slalom season. I mean, Schifrin was winning everything, wasn't she? It was a bit boring, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm happy for I'm happy for Popova. Wasn't it Popovich? Popova? Popovich. No, Popovich. Yeah, Popovich. She's I think she's great skier. She reminds me a bit of um, Anna Yelosic. Uh, I think do you know what? It's quite it's just quite good that we've got another ski racer that's up there, a youngster that's going to push on. It wasn't a fluke. Like I said, she backed it up, skied well on the first run, uh, and then had the sort of stones, if you like, to, to sort of back it up and, and follow through. But interestingly, the Croatians. You know, when they were at their height with the with the Costa Liches, they were both obviously individuals on the men's tour and the women's tour. Now you've got um, uh, Lucic and Popovich on the women's side of things, obviously as a little training duo on the men's side. You've got the three slalom skiers, haven't you? So, so and you've got and, and obviously you've got Zubcic sort of dipping in and out of the of the slalom and GS. I don't think they've got another GS skier that's sort of consistently there, have they? But uh, it's it's nice to see, you know, that's obviously the success of the Kostelich is coming to fruition. All of a sudden, those big results that happened a uh, decade, two decades, a decade and a half ago, uh, are all, you know, now we're seeing the fruits of of those performances. And hopefully from a Brit's perspective, you know, the, the sort of Dave effect. And, and we sort of had it with a bit of the Alan Baxter effect uh, with with his performances and, and Olympic medal that, that should have been that wasn't you know, th those are the type of things that take a bit of time and generations to come through, but all of a sudden they create the champions. And I'm sure that, you know, the likes of Schifrin will be doing that around the States. And obviously the Bodie Miller effect definitely had, uh, you know, that part as well. So it, I think it's really interesting and great and great, absolutely great for the sport. What do you think, Ben? I found out what uh, Kostelich was mad about while you were talking then, Ed. He was really, really mad about a Europa Cup in Levy, was what he got really mad at. A setting of a slalom was boring, and he said <laughs> it's degrading the sport and turning everyone into robots. Um, it does look like a rubbish slalom, I'll be fair to him. Um, but, yeah, that's 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 what he was complaining about. Uh, Europa Cup in Levy not being challenging enough, which, you know, we've we've had that we've had that course set in uh, discussion a few times and you don't want it to be too easy because what what what's the point? You know, they're the best races in the it, world. You want to I challenge think as them. long as you're as long as you're setting for something, you've got I think we are definitely, definitely seeing and have seen over the last couple of seasons course setting for a purpose, for an athlete or for for a skill set. Rather than, there's no point just putting gates in the ground and be like, oh, well, that's quite nice. Well, why have you done it? Take advantage of why you're doing it. What I liked on, bringing it back to this race, to the uh, the races on the Tech Hill, I thought the setters used the the rollers really well, um, the, both in the slalom and the GS. I thought there were a few really good turns where the racers 
but didn't just put it <coughs> at the point where you're changing edges. So it's the easiest point to unweight your skis. There were lots of, uh, yeah. you know, gates they right on think. the top of, yeah, look, gates right on the top of the roll so that you were still finishing the turn or if you were in any way, shape or form late, you were then falling down the back of the ridge rather than being able to execute the end of the turn and, and get into the next one. And I like that. It's, you know, we've, we've talked about it in races. Obviously, not every hill has got undulations and fallaways to make it interesting. So sometimes when they are there, it's good when they use them. We've seen some setters over the years get, you know, too, overcomplicating it and, and not to annoy Evita uh, any further. But you don't, it doesn't always have to be, let's try and set the most difficult thing possible. Um, but it, I thought they'd use the rollers really well because it just meant the racers had to get get it right at that particular moment and there wasn't yeah. an easy way out and, and that was really enjoyable to watch. We saw that in the undoing of, of uh, Brunoni, didn't we, in the GS? You know, that's, you know, she, and we saw how devastated she was and, and a few others have made the same mistakes in the slalom and the GS. We're going, so we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff now, I think, unless uh, Marcel's got any, any nuggets. Marcel, it's your go to start talking now. <laughs> I do I do want to add something to to Ben's um what Ben said they are trying to I think the costly just they were trying to set the impossible usually you know not the possible but the impossible I've seen races where you basically had to climb up the hill to get around the gate so I mean you know I'm, I'm always, a fine line isn't there There's it's a fine, fine line. line you know you want to you want to still keep it attractive but then on the other hand you don't want to you know you don't want to. You don't want to You don't want an eliminator every single time that you're racing out no. of a start gate. But like I say, if it's got some sort of focus, then and yeah. it plays to your athlete's strengths. The problem is a lot of times people just you know they set for their athletes and their athletes suck at it. <laughs> it's like terrible. It happens happens more often than it doesn't. So um, yeah, I mean that's quite. I was watching one of the um, behind the Brits things that Laurie Taylor does on. Um, on uh youtube it's quite another a, podcast no no it's a youtube show mate um and so still about skiing though and so um it, he was it was in the build-up to uh veng and slalom where tristan got to set and how obviously do you remember how turny tristan had set it but the conditions were really warm and therefore yeah. just like not the time to try something like that and uh it was like the week building up to that slalom and it was uh Tristan had set like this obviously training gates training course like he was going to set in the race and and Laurie and Billy were just having like the worst time trying to ski this thing and they were saying like Dave is like two seconds quicker than us doing all this really really turny like <laughs> stuff all over the place and so they were sort of talking about how he, they sort of understood but they just need to try and watch Dave they could watch him obviously but couldn't figure out how he was able to do what he was doing that's your I, I, I think that's the bit that I that possibly Kostlich is trying to get across in terms of how much of a mental game skiing can be in terms of if the course isn't just corridor rhythm, rhythm change corridor you you have to adjust and that's why I thought it's quite interesting when they stopped letting people use tape measures because yeah, then the it brings yeah. in a little bit more natural variation to skiing so the skier isn't just okay well i know metronomic at, yeah. at full at full power this turn will be the, the radius of the ski and i just keep doing that every turn and you know it allows for adjustment and you have to take into account how fast you're going you know what your what your eyes are telling you about how far away the upcoming gates are and those kind of things um and i think with a lot of younger races and i think probably 
for our generation of racers having grown up with straight skis and then going through into like more modern skis has has allowed us to have an appreciation of the way you have to steer a ski whereas people who've been brought up purely on uh those the, the newer style of ski it's always been quite easy for them to turn the ski mm. and it's pretty all much always been on rails and that's not doing them a disservice they're incredible skiers um you know they're far far quicker than i was on any type of skis um but it is it is interesting to see that and and hear from their own point of view like i don't i don't know how dave's doing that and just being that few years older yeah or, many years older than them um it would have been around <laughs> in a time where <laughs> it would have been around in a time where learning to ski that would have been a little bit more second nature too yeah uh, yeah definitely it was really it was really interesting worth a watch if you haven't seen it uh let's move on to the final day yesterday's <coughs> uh, competition was the men were on the slalom skis women were on the giant slalom skis and this was the other globe that was up for grabs was the men's slalom uh, and it was a uh, another fascinating day of racing. Uh, Zenhuizen took the victory uh, in front of Lucas Bratton, who was six hundredths behind. Christofferson was 0.63 back. Mark Rochard finishing well at the end of the season fourth. Vinatza was fifth. Yule DNF riding DNF. Uh, the standings ended up Bratton, Christofferson, Zenhuizen. So it went absolutely down to the wire. <coughs> and on the women's side, Michaela Schifrin. Absolutely spanked the first run, no pressure on her shoulders, looked like she was having the time of her life, just sort of skiing without any sort of pressure on that first run. Sternerson picking up her first ever World Cup podium in a classic discipline, 600s back, Grenier back on a podium, two tenths back, and Lara Gutbrami showing that she was still hungry, like you say, Ben, going for the, or was it Marcel, I can't remember which one are you saying about her going for the, um, soup, the giant slalom uh, globe standings was in four. Uh, Marcel, why don't you kick us off for this one, mate? What did you make of the final day of racing? I think, I mean, Schiffin's obvious. I'll start with, with, the, with the ladies. It, it was actually her best season, and she's, I think she started by two points. So she, I don't know if she was probably wouldn't care about it, but it's pretty impressive, I think. I think on the second run, you know, she was, you could see she was a bit tired, and she, like, also in the slalom, she wasn't like on full on full force I think but she's probably put everything together and she's like okay well one more run and then I'm gonna go on holiday so she well deserved Sternison I, I think her her technique is amazing I think she's you know putting the pressure so nicely and she has like you know that the hips are always like in the right position um so I'm I'm pretty glad to see her on the podium and then, it's been coming for her, hasn't it, really? I yeah, think. it has been coming for her. I mean, she's, I think she's done really well in those parallel slaloms, usually. Mm. For a quite, she's done well in those for a while, but just has really struggled. I think yeah. she, talk, again, talks about in her interview how she'd struggled to take it from uh, the parallel over to the classics. It's also, it's interesting to see how the Norwegians, how the ladies all of a sudden are, you know, getting podiums and like Wickhoff Lee won the, the downhill in, in Kjotfjell and stuff. I think it's, they really are a force. And actually, I've done some digging on the Norwegians. And I think from the, and this was only men's GS, but from born 2002 until 2006, I think almost in every in every year, there is a Norwegian leading, you know, the fist point standing, sort of being the best in the world in that at that age group, which is, I think, is crazy. I mean, Marcel hasn't done much work this week. Just been on, on the FIS website checking out rankings. Good work. He's not watched any skiing, but he's been looking at, he's just been reading figures online. Yeah, because the skiing, like, it's usually the same. So I'm just got like the stats. 
just listen listen <laughs> to your, comment, you, listen to your commentary Ed, and then just roll like just doesn't watch I, just listens I, I, and then I, goes on this website <laughs> i have to say one thing you as a commentator you must be so happy nowadays because they show like if someone's behind or in front where it's not it's not that accurate but it's kind of accurate. no i hate I, I hate that stupid that stupid yeah but it, it really helps you because usually you just like you just talk trash and absolute rubbish that's i saw that coming a mile off um, <laughs> i'm not a big fan of that uh of that time uh chip thing as well it's kind of it's handy but at the same time, it just you spend more time looking at that than you do the skiing. And I, yeah. you know, the I'm splits are good. And I think actually, you can tell you you don't really need that on the side. They're, they're yeah, trying. What do. they're trying to yes, do. you do. No, you don't. And you're talking. <laughs> you end it. He's, he's trying to say you do. You, yeah, no, you no, no. Might. You might. Nice thing is <laughs> it's really say, helpful oh, for you. This looks really good. This looks really good. And then it's like a second behind. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe not that good. With this, <laughs> with the, with the timing, you're like. Well, no, it's, no, because it's really that's close. now. Oh, now she's lost a bit of time. That was not a good turn. No, because the thing that's bad about that is actually it j- ends up jumping. So if you do do it off that, it's like, oh, this is red. This is red, and then like disappears one gate before the actual split time comes up, and then it's like jumps. <laughs> to... No, they're trying to do that thing like they do in Formula One, trying to give you a bit too much info with all the with all the stuff, and you just can't actually, yeah, like you say, Ben, you end up looking at that rather than looking at what's happening. I think I think it's a, it's, it's a fun like it's a it's a good way for them to to try and display what's happening during during the run, um, and I'm all for fish trying things. We we give them a lot of abuse for being stuck in the wrong century and and not doing anything to innovate the sport or make it interesting or or bring new people in. But you know they're at least try it. They're at least trying uh, something with this kind of I guess kind of like a real time uh, deficit or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I, it's, it's fine, but I just noticed when I'm watching racing when it's on, I just kind of start looking at it and go, I haven't actually watched much of this run. I've just yeah, watched just whether, watch the, whether the light, whether the worm is red or green. That's about it. Watch on live timing instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that you, uh, you guys were talking about Sternison, that yeah, she yeah, she was skiing absolutely beautifully, and that finding, like you said, finding that blend or that step up from being able to do it on a 20 30 second parallel to two minute long runs of 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 gs is is a big important step and you know really glad that she got it this season because it means she'll come into next season with that as her expectation uh on on a regular basis rather than just this season i want to get on the podium it will be okay i need you know a, a ton of podiums or however many you set yourself as your target for the for the year and like you said, the, the, the Norwegians are everywhere. Obviously, they've got Holtman and Mo Winkle and Timmy Berg as well. Like that, that group in in you know certainly GS and the, most of those in in slalom as well. Other than probably Mo Winkle, uh, they just they're just everywhere. Norwegians. They just got every discipline. They seem to have people who can podium in a race right now, and that's that's a brilliant place for them to be. Certainly is, and I think even with with Grenier picking up her World Cup, her first World Cup victory this season, Stjernesson getting very close, six hundredths of a second off and a podium. You know, it's again another, it's another good place that the women's giant style and discipline is in because you've got multiple people that have got podiums in the previous season, and you've uh, and therefore hopefully keeping it keeping it really spicy expected a bit more from Alice Robinson if I'm honest I think it's a real shame that didn't finish off the season as well as it could have gone for her um to be honest I was 
also surprised with Brignoni. How often do we see her ski out? Yeah, she was um, de- devastated, wasn't she? I she don't know what happened. To moving up to the podium. That, um, yeah, like I don't know if Vlahova, Brignoni, and Hector all psyched each other out with like three in a row all skiing out. And between the three of them, you'd probably not ever expect any of them to ski out in GS. They're normally ridiculously consistent. Like well, Vlahova may not always be lightning, but yeah, they were the just... fighting for the. They were fighting for overall, weren't they? Pressure. I mean, Brignoni's one the the big globe. You think she'd laugh at that kind of pressure? Eat it up. Eat it for breakfast. <laughs> no, I, I, Clearly I, it not. Did, it did look. It did look a bit. But you ha- you have to put that. Down, you know, I have to put that down to pressure. I mean, obviously, I don't know. Didn't have spoken to them. But uh, you, you just sort of you think that that's got to be pressure, don't you? I mean, a couple of rook. You know, relatively rookie. I know it's not rookie rookie because that's that's disrespectful. But relative relatively sort of novice mistakes to make uh line line error especially i was thinking uh, quite a few skied out in the slalom as well so i wasn't sure if just that slightly softer snow as well people weren't adjusting and just going because a lot of it was people going down inside so whether they just Different gone over just there. like just got like laying them over too far and and, and kind of doing a bit of catch your boots or anything <sighs> like that but yeah it was it was it was really weird and you know brignoni as well had a a, a great season all round and obviously it was a horrible way for her her to end but I'm fairly sure she was up there in the uh, in the overall again I think she was fourth in the uh, overall behind uh, Vlahova so that'll probably annoy her because if she'd got the 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 finish uh, she might have got third in the overall standing as well not just the not just the GS one so uh, you know heartbreaking but again another you know over a thousand point season for, for Brignoni as well yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Sometimes you're on the on the limit. Uh, on to the men's side of things. Zen Hoysen skied really, really well. Great end to the season. I loved his sort of interviews. He was talking about how people, you know, people were sort of writing him off at the beginning of the season and after his results last year, and then uh, absolutely, you know, properly, properly deserved that win. Branton, I thought, dealt with the pressure really, really well. That was the question mark for me going into this final race. Was was he going to be able to? withstand like the pressure of it I think in terms of how uh you know Christofferson had been skiing so well so consistent it was on his heels in terms of you know getting close and Bratton had obviously taken some time off with his surgery and was he going to be race sharp again uh, and just thought it was really good somebody that would be bitterly disappointed Daniel Yule oof real torrid time of things terrible first run by his standards obviously I mean the he was two seconds plus off, wasn't he? Just when he was fighting for the globe. I mean, it was a long shot, but he was fighting for the globe nonetheless. And then DNF on the second run. That happens. Thanks for your uh, incredible insights, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I think Bratton had, his, I mean, I mean, he was, I think, as we, as we talked about it, you know, throughout the last couple of seasons, I think slalom is the, like the most unpredictable because no one's super consistent. And we were so used to, you know, Hirscher and Christofferson being always on the podium. But I think those times are gone and you can see that lots of different people are coming up. I think Clement Noel had a pretty pretty medium season as well. I think he has the potential to, you know, do that. But um, I think Bratton well-deserved this the title. And I mean, he's, how old is he, 22? That's 22, pretty incredible. Yeah. No, he's, still, be... he's only a year older than... Uh... Steen Olsen have been waxing lyrical about Steen Olsen being a youngster, doing you know breaking onto the scene and doing so well from the get go. But yeah, but then he's only, he's only one year younger. 
I know, but then you have him like Broughton's been on there for such a long time already. I think yeah, exactly. Whatever, it's crazy. Um, but the Norwegians, there, I mean, they're they're coming up with all they have, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting next year. I think Hirsch uh, Christoffersen will be wanting some revenge because I don't think those two are very good friends. I have a feeling about that. Broughton and Christoffersen. Yeah, I don't think they are. I like. I mean, that that certainly keeps it spicy, doesn't it? I, I also think, in, in all seriousness, I think that the, um, you know, doing that well on the Van Deer ski, with it being such a brand new ski, like, that's, that's rid- ridiculously impressive that he was fighting for a globe and that Van Deer nearly got a globe in their first season on the World Cup. Like that is just utterly ridiculous that they that and shows you the ski brains between Hirscher. And Christofferson, you know, I mean, I know, I know Hirsch has been at these skis for a little while and has been putting a lot of time and effort into it, obviously. But for 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 Christofferson to come in, get the ski moving how he needs it to be moving, and to, to pick up, you know, nearly pick up a globe, been on the podium a gazillion times in GS, picked up World Cup victories in slalom this year. I think it's just next season. You know, look, look at, you know, another another summer's worth of training on those skis that that is going to almost sort of, you know, it's going to add another quarter of, uh, you know, a quarter, 25 percent of R&D, like in terms of the time that they've been on the snow. So ridiculously, like how quick that ski can improve and and sky's the limit at this point. Are they going to make a speed ski, pick up some of that head talent? Well, they have a speed ski already. Do they? Who's on that? Well, it's the it's the what is it called? The ski Osh- jumping Osh- ski. Oshmore Oshmore ski. That's that's their speed ski. The what ski? This the speed like oh, what's the brand called? Oshmore Oshimore Oshmore. I don't know. You're talking. You're, you... you're saying words that me and I don't know what they are. So no, no, it's like this the ski brand, the, the black ones. What are they called? So Red Bull, Va- so Red Red Bull yeah, Van Deer yeah. have a speed ski already. They paid that. They paid. Uh, they bought that that brand. Oh, they bought Augment, didn't they? Augment. Yeah, that's it. That's their speed ski. No, but it's also their because no because Ma- Mickey Matt was skiing on that. As yeah, a slalom because, ski. but that's because Mickey, Mikey Michael Matt can't ski on Van Deer skis because of the pool of the ski. Pool. Yeah, but no, but I think what Ben means is is somebody on the World Cup going to ski on like actual Deer. actual Van Deer skis. Yeah. Oh, that's I don't know if that yeah. But why I mean, would Matthias Meyer come back? You know, it's a sneaky. Oh, you know, I'm taking the season off. Breaks all his contracts. Whammy, Van Deer, return to the Mac. That will so conspiracy. That's conspiracy right there. That's my kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's what we're here for. That's um, a, that's a no, Bodie as, Miller take two. As as well as as well as that, uh, so in terms of like that results for the season for Van Deer, Christopherson was third in the overall. And for the big globe sound then, so 1154 points on a on a skiing, brand new ski skiing two disciplines know, yeah skiing only two it's, it's incredible um even Branton's got a few super g points in in his uh haul for the season um, yeah, i think Bratton might be one for the for the overall at some stage because he did one super g and he got like six or whatever he did yeah at some stage i don't think he's quite well this is yeah i can't see him quite sort of doing that push do you know what especially i think the, the speed of Odomat in so many disciplines is probably quite. It's probably going to scare off a few people from even starting that. You yeah, know, yeah. to think about that at this point. Do you think that Kilda might do three disciplines next year? Obviously, he pitched up and 
and, and he picked up. He doesn't really. He doesn't really look like he wants to. I think he just. You know, he's just happy, probably doing his thing. And I don't know. He won the overall. He yeah, probably, so he's already probably, got that, and sort of probably quite, the... you know, as you said, he probably realizes. Well, you know, there's not. I think if it comes down to it, if he would have to, he'd probably pick it up. But you know, if if the seasons go as they did the last two years, I don't think he's just. I don't think he's bothered by that. I think he's, he's just it. happy. Happy. He's, he said it. Ed. He's he's scared to put on a jetski because he knows how fast they demise. I do, I, I do wonder if that's you know the fact that. You know, he tried it early season because he went to he went to Solden, didn't he? And then he sort of said, oh, "I'm not really going for the overall after that because I think he's he DNF'd again, didn't he?" And then sort of Odomat won by like eleven seconds, uh, and uh, so I think he's probably going to scare off a few people. That's why I think the only people going to be in the chase really for the overalls are going to be you know Schwartz and maybe Mayar. Yeah, a few years ago, Kilda was was rapid at GS, wasn't he? Before he got injured, but since he came back, he re- I don't know whether he got even more giant than he already was, and is just using it all for uh, downhill and super G, and doesn't have quite that same kind of quickness that you need you need for GS, um, or, or whether it's more just a you know something to do with whatever the injury was that's just he just doesn't quite have that same you know, ability to 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 do GS or yeah. the training schedule, you know, for training Super G at downhill. As you know, there's, you know, it takes quite a lot of extra training to get GS in and, you know, Odomat's a bit of a superhuman at the moment being able to do all three. So maybe that's something for the for the future. Let's see if he's able to carry on, carry on with it like it is because it's been pretty, it's been a pretty, pretty good season, hasn't it? It's been, the racing's been, been very cool. Um, Boys, you got anything to add? Uh, I am furious at you for missing out the most important part of the entire weekend. Tessa Worley? Yeah. No, we're so going to do a whole podcast special on her, just for you. Now Ben's going right. to do it on his own. He's just going to just <laughs> one, one man the de- the microphone. Give, give me the details of the feed, and I'll just load it in there. <laughs> Go on then. Go on, Ben. Go for it, mate. Oh, just watching her ski that last couple runs was was heartbreaking for me. It just it made me wish even more that she hadn't bowed in the world champs because that would have been an absolutely monstrous way to go out because she was flying on that second run. Um, I, I still think she's got the speed there. You've seen it at times this year. Maybe not the same podium form she had last year, um, but it. Just, you see the from some of her skiing, you can t- looks like it's been on her mind all season. Um, but what an absolute kind of I guess monster of the sport. Um, she's been, you know, two times world champion, two times GS champion, and had some pretty intense competition across the you know the year she's been racing, and you know two hundred and fifty five odd starts. It's just you know incredible when you think of the, the era she's been racing in as well. She never really had any like massive injuries that kept her out for for ages, like a lot of the other people uh, around her will have had. And just I think you and uh, Nick mentioned it quite a bit on on commentary. I think she's just one of those people that's just always happy, but always massively competitive. I think it'll probably be something similar when Brignoni retires. Like you, like she's never not smiling, but she is yeah. always skiing to the absolute limit. And yeah. those are the people you want on tour. Like you don't want robots. You know, you said about like Lara Gubrami, like in her as she's got. Uh, older she's got a lot more quiet and reserved and you're not quite sure what she's thinking with the likes of uh, Tessa and, and Brignone you always know what they're thinking 
and it, but they never throw like hissy fits like they'll they'll scream when they ski out and they'll be mad but then they'll get to the finish area and wave to the fans and, and be like model professionals. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's good to see this year. We've seen a few more of the younger French racers coming through um, it, across a few disciplines and, and hopefully they can pick up that mantle and actually, you know, keep women's skiing in France going. Because when you think about it, Nastasia Nowens, who also um, retired at the World Championship, or, or yeah. the, she didn't make it to her, she didn't make it to her cup finals. No, she was one, one, one place out. She was uh, she missed yeah. one spot. So you think her and Tessa have basically been holding up the the French certainly women's tech team? Yeah, because so, for a decade each. Yeah, and Fra- Fras Sombo's retired as well. So, you know, all of a sudden you, you know, where, where's your next French? Where's your next? I can't even think of another French giant skier off the top of my head without oh. without Wally and Fras Sombo, uh, and slalom skiers. Well, there's one that's that's started coming through so you're right ben that you know they they have been french tech skiing between the two of them but obviously more successfully from from tessa Worley with the with the globe and uh, and her and all that sort of stuff so it's going to leave a void that is for sure it's, and it's crazy when you think about how how you know massive a ski nation france is when you think of you know pantero aside the they don't have the depth the way that they should you see the likes of, you know, Norway, Italy, uh, Austria, Switzerland. They all seem to have crazy depth. And, and the French have just kind of been relying on those those, those kind of few people to, to hold them French up over, over, over the years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll leave, I'll leave that as the, the, uh, the Tessa spiel for now. But I was very, well, well, uh, very sad know, watching the last run. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was and I think she... She obviously didn't want. She was another race. They wanted to to go out on a good performance. She wasn't, you know, she didn't do it in a stripy t shirt and a beret, uh, did she? She was, um, she was charging. She she wanted to win. She wanted to put in the good performance. She wanted to sign off the, her career with a victory. She, you know, even her pre race interview, she didn't give it away. She talked about it. She, I think she gave that. She gave it the news verbally, not on camera, uh, between the runs, and then obviously spoke about it afterwards. So. Yeah, don't worry, Ben. You're gonna to have to. You are gonna to have to find a new GS person to just pick every time, irrespective. I've, I've had quite a few messages uh, on social media asking me if I'm all right. Um, and uh, <laughs> one of the one of the uh, interesting uh, comments from uh, I think a long time listener uh, uh, T uh, Kiwi Caps was, uh, "Now I'm gonna to have to pick Raposa every week because I can't pick Tessa." <laughs> uh, so, which I thought was which I thought was quite funny. And I'm not, I'm not sure attention which attention to the trash talk. Better off picking Tessa, retired or Raposo. All right, boys. Anything else? Not from me, mate. No. Marcel, Marcel, have you thought about a a sign-off after last week? Goodbye for now. And hear you next week on the podcast. (laughs) The summary of the season. With special on Tessa Wally and Ben crying. I still think the other one's better. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I can't just make shit up. It's terrible. I'm terrible at it. Next week, if you give me another chance, I'll... You've had your chance, I'm afraid. It's going to get the full season sign-off. That's yeah. all anyone will remember until October. This is bollocks.